Satanism is the new trendy religion in the United Kingdom. And Rick and Morty co-creator is fired for felony domestic violence charges. And let's go over a Christian saying that we really need to stop hearing from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at the new trendy religion in the UK, according to a recent report, as well as the Rick and Morty co-creators, both the one that was just fired and someone that should already have been. And we also want to look at specifically some really bad Christian sayings that people for some reason, parrot and even post online and bring it captive to the obedience of Christ. But before we get into that, we would love for you, if you get the chance, to make sure you like and subscribe, like this video, subscribe to the Good Fight Ministries channel to make sure you see as many as, and also click on that bell to get the notification, especially because it does seem like some of our videos are being suppressed. So the better, you know, the more comments, the more likes, the more subscriptions, the better chance it is that you'll be able to see this and hopefully share it with your friend who does not know Christ. So with all of that, I want to read from a recent article by The Telegraph, which is a newspaper out in the UK. And it says, quote, the global order of Satan, UK, as well as other leaders and members of the satanic groups around the world insist it would be difficult to spot a Satanist walking down the street. Yet, while the macabre occult rituals, virgin sacrifices, chalices of blood, and belief in the actual devil are a thing of the past, Satanism is luring increasing numbers of young people disillusioned with outdated and dogmatic traditional religions to find its fold by offering an alternative to stuffy traditional faiths, a movement towards self-identification. Now, first and foremost... I want to say there are plenty of people that are in different satanic groups that have no idea about a literal devil, whether he believes or not, they're more agnostic to it, some of which out and outright deny it and deny the existence of God. They do what the Bible says and suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And notice some of these trends. They want to get out the dogmatic traditions, get out of the outdated stuff. They want to get out of the stuffy and, you know, and so forth. And they want to get out of the traditional face and have a movement towards what? Self-identification. What lines up with the Lester Crowley's maxim, do what thou wilt shall be a whole, shall be the whole of the law. And when you think about it, it's directly juxtaposed to doing the will of the Lord, ultimately our creator. So sadly enough, the logical conclusion that any sane person made in the image of the Lagos, made in the image of God, any sane person should come to is that we have a creator. We are his creation. And if anyone knows the best way by which we who are designed by that creator are to walk in our day-to-day lives, it should be according to the manual given us by the very creator to the creation. And that comes from the scriptures. And when we see in the scriptures that the commandments that he gives us us are not burdensome, they're dogmatic for a reason, because just as with my computer, if I say, I just want to do what I want and I want it to work exactly how I want, and I dump water on on it and I use it in the swimming pool, 
You're going to say, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? It's not built for that. It's going to get wrecked. In the same way, when God makes commands, they're not to place a burden on us. They're actually to take the burden off. And so when these things take place and you see people wanting to do all sorts of things that are against their very nature, the Bible actually says of sexual sin, that it's actually against your own body, that God's designed it a certain way, and this is the way that it's beautiful and blossoms life and doesn't create death. Uh, and, And it's heartbreaking to see that this is this rebellious nature, and that's what this feeds for those who believe in a literal Satan or not. And whether they do or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they believe in Satan or not, if they reject the one true God, if they reject the penalty that was paid on their behalf on the cross, if they reject that, they're going the same way. You know, it's interesting when it comes to scripture, a lot of people will quote certain texts and they might even quote it out of context and yet, or out of the actual understanding that is trying to be conveyed by the author, by God using an author to write those scriptures, but they might actually say something that's true, even in their misunderstanding of the text. And I'll give you an example. In the book of Revelation chapter three, We read that Jesus said, because you are neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, I shall spit you out of my mouth. And really the term spit has to do with vomiting out of my mouth. So a lot of people have preached messages that say, hey, listen, if you're not on fire for the Lord, hot, then you might as well be cold and not caring about the Lord at all because you're going to get spit out either way. That's not what the text is saying. What the text actually is pointing to is the fact that there are hot water. Hot water is actually good because it distills cold water is good. And when it gets to a certain place and it's lukewarm, it's bad for the stomach because a lot of bacteria comes into it and would cause you to vomit it out. So actually in that analogy that is given in the book of Revelation by Jesus, being hot or cold is actually good. Either one is actually good. And the lukewarm is the only one that is bad. Now, if somebody takes that approach, does that mean what they said is not ultimately true? That if you're not going to follow Jesus, it doesn't really matter what you do because you're not getting in anyway? Well, yeah, that's actually a true statement, even if it doesn't line up with the scripture they were trying to convey. And so when you look at it and you hear that, yes, it is true. If someone follows Buddha, if someone is following Muhammad, if someone is an atheist or whatever you may be, all of them have the same fate. All of them are destined to be judged by God and actually be judged by the works that they do. And they're actually going to endure for all of the sins. They're going to endure for eternity for all of the sins that they've committed, the very just deserts that they deserve. And so, yes, there is a true reality that whether someone's a Satanist or whether it's the nice lady down the street who rejects Jesus, all of them have the same fate in terms of whether or not They will eventually be thrown into the lake of fire for judgment, or they will be in eternal bliss with Jesus Christ. Ionios, the eternal, whether we will get to be with him and have eternal bliss or have eternal judgment. So yeah, there is a truth to that, even if the the text is sometimes taken out of context by well-meaning people. But when it comes to this, this is just one other way that People are being deluded and thinking they can be rebellious in this fashion. And so many people think that this is the very thing. This is going to make me feel something. And I can call myself religious and I can be really rebellious. And I really hate that my parents made me do these dogmatic things or whatever nonsense that people come up with. 
But ultimately, people are doing that every day. We could talk about Satanism, or we could bring up New Age thought, or you could bring up spirit science, and you can peak, you could build have anyone building up an idol in their own image that they're ultimately worshiping because the self-identification, a movement towards self-identification, that's exactly what that is. How many people have you shared the gospel with? Have you shared the gospel on the streets or with your coworker? And they'll say, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And ultimately what they're actually saying is, I don't follow the God of the Bible, but I make up my own God in my own image. And that's what I follow. Oh, you know, I pray, but you ask him like, do you have a, a, you know, the Bible says that we pray without ceasing because it's a relationship. I remember discussing this as a pretty new believer when I was coaching wrestling and I was an assistant coach at that time. And I was discussing it with the head coach and he had mentioned to me, hey, I'm good, right? And he, he was a, a Catholic. He said, I'm good. We go to church, you know, once a month. And, you know, we, you know, my kids go through catechism and stuff, but I'm good, right? Like me and God, we're good. And I said, hey, man, I just want to ask you, you know, if, if I was talking to you about the relationship I have with my dad and I said, I'm good. I visit him once a month. Like we're good, right? You think me and my dad are good. Would you think that I have a good relationship with him or I'm just doing the bare minimum to get by in that relationship? He said, I, I see what you're saying. I said, the, the, the truth is, is that we should be just as the psalmist talked about, and just as David was called a man after God's own heart, we should be those that are yearning to be in his presence. We should be those that just as the apostles were promised the Holy Spirit, he said that it would be better that I go, that Jesus would go, but they were sitting there waiting. Like when he left in the book of Acts chapter one, when Jesus goes and ascends, they're sitting there waiting and the angels come to them and like, why are you waiting? He's going to be coming back the same way he came. And, but they're poured out the Holy Spirit not long after that. But we still should be yearning, just as Paul talked about, that rock in the hard place that he was in. That I, it would be very much better, is what he says, to go and be with my heavenly Father than to be here. But it's for your betterment, it's for the church's betterment, that I am here today. So yeah, I'm in a tough spot because I want to be with Jesus, but I also know people that don't know Christ that I want to share with. And that's the heart that we should have. We should want to seek his face. We should wake up in the morning and kiss the sun lest he be angry. We should go headlong after him, running after him and saying, I want to be with my father in heaven. I want to be with Jesus Christ. I can't wait to be with him while also knowing that we have duties here on earth. We have something to accomplish here on earth. And God, just be the man who says, be the woman who says, here I am, Lord, send me, whatever that is. Sometimes sending me, is to your household. There's people in your household that don't know Christ. Sometimes sending me are the people at your work. Sometimes sending me is the guy that you're in line at the store with that you're supposed to be there preaching the gospel to. And guess what? His grandmother has been praying for years that someone would preach the gospel to him. And she's on her bed praying at night, not being able to communicate with him as much. And you could be that answered prayer of a grandmother, of a grandfather, of a father, of a mother, of a sister, of a brother. And you can be that answered prayer so that people don't fall into these lies. You see, the Bible actually says that the, in, the, in Proverbs chapter 18, the first to plead his case seems right until someone comes over and examines him. It is our job to examine all of these thoughts, all of these speculations brought up against the knowledge of God and tear them down and bring them captive to the obedience of Christ. It's our job to realize when they're saying these dogmatism, this outdated stuff, this all, these alternatives, this stuffiness, this traditional faiths, and we need a, a movement towards self-identification. You need your identity to be found in Christ because Jesus paid the ultimate price 
Satan will lie to you over and over again. And he doesn't care if you worship Pan. He doesn't care if you worship Artemis. He doesn't care if you worship Satan or yourself, as long as you don't worship the one true God and give him the worship that he deserves by his very nature. One more quote from this article. It says, I'd love to be able to claim that we could pat ourselves on the back and say, yes, we've done our internal work here and we're successfully declining the number of Christians. But I think it's a far more complex issue than that. Two factors were responsible for the decreasing popularity of traditional dogmatic religions and a movement towards self-identification and self-realization. This idea that you can find out about yourself, this is why Jeremiah chapter 17 says, the heart is deceitful, it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? You can't even know your own heart. How many times have you thought, oh, this, I really feel like this is the right thing. This is the right person, whatever it may be, because that's a really common, common thing. People think that all the time. I really believe this person is the person I'm supposed to marry. How many people right now are praising God that they were wrong (laughs) about that, about somebody they might've been with in the past? They're like, oh, wow, praise the Lord. I was wrong. That was not the person I'm supposed to be with. Now, if you are married and are clinging together one with another, what God brings together, let no man separate. But if you're not, I bet you could praise God for that. How many of you have probably thought things that were not true? You can be fooled by things that sound good on the surface. This self-identification, self-realization, all these things are looking inward. And Satanism is just one more picture of this that we see throughout the entire culture. And the Bible actually says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, but realize this, in the last day, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self. Guys, lovers of self, self-identification. You even have in some false Christian movements, self-deification. Lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. Guys, when you see these deconstructionists, when you see these who have defected from the faith or these Satanists and so forth, irreconcilable has to be a specific trait of the flesh that all of them have. They are so hard to reconcile one to their mother and father a lot of times. I mean, it it is heartbreaking. They're malicious gossips without self-control. Yeah, without self-control control because then you'd be going against your self-realization and self-identification. I'm really just a woman in a man's body, whatever nonsense that Satan has fooled people with. They're brutal, haters of good. They're haters of those traditional things in the Christian faith that are actually good. Those things like a chaste life, things that living for Christ's purpose rather than our own. They're haters of that. They want their will to be done and not the Lord's. It says they're treacherous, reckless. By the way, reckless, and I point this out a lot, but I'll keep pointing it out, is not a trait for God's love. love It is never a trait for God's love. Reckless is a bad trait. It's a trait of the end times of those who are non-believers in difficult times. So if you're hearing that in songs, please don't worship with it. It's wrong. Let's keep going. They're conceited. What's more conceited than thinking the best religion is one where you make up your own identification and you have a self-realization when you're a lover of self? There are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here's what it says will happen in the end times. Just a few 
verses later at verse 13 in 2 Timothy. But evil people and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. It is so important for us to recognize when you see this wickedness, it's not throw your hands up in the air and just yell and scream at a cloud. No, it's saying, wait a second, they're doing this. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and have been convinced of. So for us as believers, we need to cling to that which is good, reject and even hate that which is evil and cling to that which is good. We need to not allow the things that are going on around us to definitely not permeate the church, definitely not permeate our teaching, definitely not permeate the way we see the world, but that we'd see those things and have a direct contradiction of them by doing exactly what 2 Corinthians talks about, taking them captive. Those foolish speculations brought up against the knowledge of God, taking them captive to the obedience of Christ. It actually says destroying those speculations. That's what we want to do. And that's what we want to do. Even those caught up in Satanism, We want them out of it and to know Christ. That's our goal. What's the point of all this? Why do we have cameras and why do we have, why do I have a computer? Why do we study the scripture this way? So we can love God and love our neighbor as ourselves to tell our neighbor the truth. We need to go and love them enough to share the truth of what Christ gives us, a life more abundant. It's not abundant because I have things. It's abundant because I have him. It's not abundant because I have this nice car or this nice house, and now that means I'm living abundantly, and I can have every day Friday and live my best life now with my big Joel Osteen smile. No, that's a farce. That's a lie. Paul left the life of celebrity of a Pharisee, and he left those things, and yet was was poor yet making many rich and had found the secret in Philippians chapter four that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him and the secret that whether he was abased or abound, whether he had everything or nothing in terms of financial gain, he still had Christ. And that was the most important thing. He can do all things through him who strengthens him. That just as the psalmist wrote, Lord, do not give me too much that I forget about you or too little that I'm tempted to steal, that our heart should be, we have enough no matter what God gives us. And if we're given a lot, we should give a lot. And that should be our goal. That should be our contentment. And we look at this and we see all this stuff and we see the wickedness. And then I just saw this and we did an entire episode on nihilistic uh, versions of, of thought that are pushed in many of the movies and film and TV shows. And none other than Rick and Morty has to be one of those ones that pushes it the most. Can I show you something? Morty, no offense, but a drawing of me you made when you were eight isn't going to make me feel like less of an accident. That out there, that's my grave. Wait, what? On one of our adventures, Rick and I basically destroyed the whole world. So we bailed on that reality and we came to this one because in this one, the world wasn't destroyed. And in this one, we were dead. So we came here and and, and we buried ourselves and we took their place. And every morning summer, I eat breakfast 20 yards away from my own rotting corpse. So you're not my brother? I'm better than your brother. I'm a version of your brother you can trust when he says don't run. Nobody exists on purpose. Nobody belongs anywhere. Everybody's going to die. Come watch TV. Recently, Justin Roiland, who is the star and co-creator of the animated series Rick and Morty, that very nihilistic show that, that they have, has been charged with felony domestic violence in Orange County, California, in connection with a 2020 incident, according to a criminal complaint filed on May 2020 by the OC District Attorney. 
Roiland pleaded not guilty in 2020. In a statement, one of Roiland's attorneys wrote that his client is innocent and he expects the case will be dismissed. NBC News obtained the criminal complaint in the case, which charges Roiland, 42, with one felony count of domestic battery with corporal injury and one felony count of false imprisonment by menace, violence, fraud, and or deceit. The complaint states the incidents occurred on or about January 19th, 2020 against an anonymous Jane Doe who was dating Royland at the time. Now, we could go all into that, uh, but nonetheless, he has been fired because they believe these allegations do have some merit and enough merit at least to let him go. And yeah, if 100%, if you find that there's merit in somebody being a domestic abuser, um, they're not a man. Any man that would hit a woman is a coward. Um, honestly, that's that's who they are. They're a coward. And and that includes uh, those who follow the Quran, Surah 434, uh, and so forth, that mentions beating their wives. Um, you're not a man. You're, you're a coward who could hit, as the Bible calls, a weaker vessel, and to dwell with them in an understanding way, as the Bible says. But I look at that and say, wow, that's great that they let him go for that. Now, I think the show's disgusting. But what about Dan Harmon? What about the other co-creator on this show? Because he had some controversy too. And while domestic violence, we can say it is disgusting and horrible. And any man doing that obviously doesn't have the spirit of Christ in them. What about guys who joke about pedophilia? In fact, we've played a portion of a clip and it is really hard to get through. And we edit it down so much, but I'll read about the controversy and we'll play the clip too. So you get a good idea. In his apology, he wrote, in 2009, I made a pilot which strove to parody the series Dexter and only succeeded in offending. I quickly realized the content was way too distasteful and took the video down immediately. Nobody should ever have to see what you saw, and for that, I sincerely apologize. The sketch in question, called Daryl, shows a character played by Harmon break into an apartment, pulling down his pants and having sex with a plastic baby doll as the words Showtime Presents Daryl appeared on the screen. The 2009 sketch from the Comedy Festival Channel 101 is meant to be a spoof of dramas that normalize hyper-violent shows like Showtime's Dexter. So if we're firing people for domestic violence, how about these guys who joke about pedophilia? Oh, that James Gunn, for example. Also, John Legend's wife is another example of this. Christy Teigen of people joking in this disgusting fashion. And it's something that as men's hearts wax and wax more and more cold, we need to look up for our redemption draws near. We also need to live our lives and walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we've received in Christ. We need to live our lives holy. We need to be holy as our Father in heaven is holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And we need to seek him and know that because he's our creator, because he's made us, he's the one who knows how we run best. That's what we have to get across our heads. And I want to read something because this life of victory that the believer is supposed to have is clearly found in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, it says that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. It tells us that we have the victory and that nothing could take that victory away from those who are in Christ Jesus, that we are safely in our Father's hands. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, made it clear that we are safely in his hands and that none 
can pluck us out of it. That doesn't mean that you can't choose to run away from him. We come to him in faith, and if you choose to no longer want to be faithful to him, then you are more than welcome to run away. But when I see this, I have to say, when I read this meme, I saw someone share it, and when I read this meme, I have to tell you, this is something I've heard a lot with talking with people, and it really does hurt my heart to think that people think of this when it comes to Christianity. And I want to read the quote for you. It says, I'm a Christian. I'm not a very good example of one. I cuss. I drink. I'm not always in a good place. Sometimes I'm a miserable cow, but I love my God and trust him even when it's hard. Now, if I told you I love my wife and I trust her, even when it's hard, I trust her. I say, I'm a married husband. I'm not a very good one. I cheat on her. I scream at her and berate her. I get drunk and beat her. I'm just not always in a good place. You know, but I love her. Would you think that I'm a good husband, a good spouse? Absolutely not. And when we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that Paul has betrothed the church to one Christ, that we look at this as an engagement, that we are waiting for the culmination at the end. We put on the helmet of salvation, Christ's return, that we get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're so excited we get to be with him. And we look at it that way. And we remember that his commands aren't burdensome. And John's gospel actually tells us why it was written. It tells us we may believe. It was written so that we might believe and have life in Christ's name. But then 1 John, written by the same author, 1 John tells us why it was written. In 1 John chapter 5, it actually tells us, I have written this that you may know you have eternal life. So one is written for salvation, the other for assurance, which is very interesting because 1 John talks a lot about sin and a lot about keeping away from sin. In fact, the last verse of it, children, keep yourselves from idols. That's the outro. But here's what it says in 1 John chapter 3. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. And that's in the context of practicing sin, right? Because 1 John chapter 2 tells us that I write this to me and not sin, but if you do sin, you have an advocate of the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. So, Whenever you see that in scripture, just remember, if you see the word deceive or do be not deceived, know that in the Christian church, there's a lot of people that are probably deceived on this issue. That's what I've found to be true. The one who practices righteous is righteous just as he is righteous, but he who practices sin of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The son of man appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. And of the very people that keep sharing this, and I hope you don't actually live this life, but are simply confused, but by grace through faith actually means, because when we read about the faith that does not save, that's the context of James chapter 2. Can that faith save him? The faith that does not work, it says that faith without works is dead because the faith that saves is never alone, even though we're saved by grace through faith alone. Because the person who is a believer, those very things that you're just allowing to be on your person and live in, those are the very things that we need to reject and turn from. 
And, and Titus 1.16 summarizes this. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. When we read in, in Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9, we see that we are saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. But right after that, it says that you have been saved for the purpose of good works. It says in Titus that you've been regenerated for the purpose of good works. So when I see these things, at the very least, this describes a very young believer who is not sanctified just yet. But bragging about that unsanctified part of your life, that needs to be cut off. That needs to be thrown out. That needs to be flushed down a toilet. What we need to do is recognize those areas where we are amiss, recognize where we have faults and say, God, continue to work in me to change this. Stop accepting sin. And I want to leave you with this. And this will be the last analogy that I give. And I've given it quite often. And I get it from 2 Peter chapter 2, ultimately. And I say this because I'm someone that sometimes I can go outside without my shoes on. And if I'm at a place with a dog, sometimes I could step in some dog poop. And yes, it's my fault because I wasn't paying attention or I should have worn shoes or something. But I'll tell you something. When I step in dog poop, when I stumble upon it, I don't take it and then rub it all over my face. I recognize that it stinks, it's gross, and I need to get it off me. For so many believers, when I read this, I think of them as an example of somebody taking that poop and rubbing it all over their face and sniffing it up. That's not what we do as believers. That sin has become a stench in our life. Doesn't mean we're perfect. We will step in it every once in a while. But guess what? Even though James 3.2 says, we all stumble in many ways, even though Jesus said in Luke 17 that the stumbling blocks are unavoidable, we recognize their stumbling blocks and we get up and we clean it off and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. And we don't accept sin, but it becomes the anomaly. It becomes the very thing that we are not practicing but it comes the thing that is the exception and not the rule. Let Jesus rule over your life and let sin be the exception and not the rule. This is Chad Davidson. This is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.